Welcome to Simplify. I'm Ben Schumann-Stoller. Simplify is for anyone who's ever taken a close look at their habits, their happiness, their relationships, or their health, and thought, there's got to be a better way to do this. On this episode, my co-host, Kaylin Schiller, talks to Dr. Joel Furman. You might be more familiar with his bestseller title. It's called Eat to Live than you are with his name, but he's known for pioneering what's called a nutritarian diet. It's like a style of eating that instead of cutting things out of your diet, it focuses on jamming in as many nutrient-rich, cancer-fighting, health-bolstering, fine-tasting foods as possible. The Nutritarian Diet has reversed diabetes, solved cancer, remedied the long-term health problems of millions of people, and helped lots of people lose lots of weight. I know that some of this sounds a little crazy, but look, we wouldn't talk about it on Simplify if it was BS. That's not what we're here for. So dig this. Two years ago, my co-host, you already know, Caitlin Schiller, found out about Joel Furman's books, Ready to Live, and after following the diet, she got off of the iron supplements that she took her whole life and improved her vision so much that she had to stop wearing her glasses, which was actually too bad because she liked her glasses. Anyway, after this episode, you'll walk away with clear ideas of what foods you can put into your diet to make you healthier and maybe even live longer. As always, we also talk about more books you can read. So if you like reading about food instead of eating it or listening to people talk about food, this is the episode for you. Let's get into it. Here's Caitlin Schiller and Dr. Joel Furman. Welcome and thank you for coming on the podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Hello. Yes, I'm Joel Furman, a medical doctor in the United States. I'm a board-certified family physician and nutritional researcher. I'm president of the Nutritional Research Foundation involved with doing nutritional research in major universities in America. So I want to make available for people information for those that want to have excellent health. They can achieve it and they can control their health destiny and nutritional excellence enables us to do this. And I also want to not just motivate people, but help them solve the obstacles that makes this difficult and to recruit people to have great health. That's my goal, is to get people healthy and to have them enjoy their life as much as possible. Let's, um, let's start right off at the top. What got you so passionate about studying optimal nutrition and writing half a dozen books about it? Um, my father was overweight and sickly and had a lot of musculoskeletal skeletal and arthritis problems and kidney issues. And I started reading health books with him in my teens. And he lost weight and got healthy, got, got his health back. And, and that excited me. And I was on the United States World Figure Skating Team in the early 1970s. And I ate healthy, not just for stamina, but also to not get sick. And I found it, it helped me in a lot of ways, too. And I enjoyed eating healthfully and learning about it and reading about it. And then when I became a little older, I made the decision to go back to medical school to specialize in nutritional medicine. And now that I've been doing this for more than 25 years, I'm very um, excited about what has been accomplished in the world of nutritional research and the world of nutritional medicine and what a blessing this is for people to be able to not have happen to them what happens to almost all other Americans mm-hmm. with an explosion of obesity, diabetes, cancer, and heart disease that we're now having a full segment of our population recognizing that they can protect themselves from these most common diseases. Mm. Why is it so hard to get people to eat well for themselves? What's What, what are the, the biggest barriers that you see? Because it seems really simple, right? I think it is I think it is relatively simple. I think the biggest barriers 
are the foods that they're raised on mm. and the addictive nature of processed foods, the way they're designed, I call them Franken foods. <laughs> they're designed to enter the bloodstream very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And the rapid entrance of calories into the bloodstream triggers dopamine, excessive dopamine release in the brain, mm-hmm. making people addicted to them like they're addicted to narcotics or, or cocaine. Mm-hmm. And it actually deadens their intelligence. And you know, so when you're an addict, whether you smoke cigarettes or snort cocaine or eat sugary processed foods, whatever it is you're addicted to, it takes over your brain so you keep wanting that food and you don't feel well unless you imbibe in your addictive substance. If you try to eat healthy, you feel fatigued and you feel shaky and itchy and anxiety provoking. So people actually feel ill when they try to eat healthier, Mm -hmm. which makes change more difficult. But also, it's society's norms make this so difficult. Because with smoking, it's different because everybody recognizes smoking is bad for you and they don't do it. You know, and it's it's easier not to just either not to be an alcoholic or not to be a drug addict because so many people recognize the addictive nature and the harmful nature of those habits. But with regard to eating pizza and eating bagels and croissants and eating, you know, you know, fried chicken and burgers, you have it's just normal. Everybody around is drinking cola. Everybody out there is eating, you know, white flour products that that, that dumb, dummy down your brain and create and create dementia and cancer. Mm. So when you are adopting a healthy diet to be protective. You, you feel that you're doing something outside of the norm. When people mm. go out to eat, like you can't imbibe, you, you can't eat what they're eating. So it makes it a little more difficult. And there's a whole new world of learning how to cook to make this delicious. Mm-hmm. So it takes more of an effort to people to achieve optimal health because most, the majority of the people in, in the modern societies aren't living and eating this way. Mm-hmm. That gives an extra core of difficulty, I think. Mm. You said something about breakthroughs in nutrition, and I was wondering, Eat to Live was first published in 2003. Given the new science that's emerged since then, has anything changed in what your recommendations are, or has it stayed pretty much the same? Well, it stayed pretty much the same. There are some differences. I mean, the I, I could, for example, when I wrote the book Eat to Live in 2003, I told people to throw kale and zucchini in the soup and cook it, and then once it gets soft and pull it out with the tongs and put it in the blender cream it up and pour it back into soup liquid again. Now we know that there's an enzyme called myrosinase in green vegetables like kale and bok choy and cabbage, and that enzyme is heat sensitive. Hmm. And as you chew or crush the vegetable, it forms the anti-cancer ITCs. They're isothiocyanides that are incredibly powerfully protective against prostate and breast mm-hmm. cancer. And one of the most longevity promoting foods you can eat are these green vegetables. Mm. But to make the anti-cancer soup, we make it differently today. We blend the raw kale or bok choy in the blender with raw onion. And we add a little of the soup liquid in there, like a slurry. So we don't want to heat the food first before it's blended because we don't want to deactivate the myrosinase enzyme or the alienase enzyme in onion that forms those anti-cancer substances. So we're talking about which foods to eat raw, which foods to eat cooked to maximize the benefits. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you mentioned mushrooms. You mentioned kale. Can you tell me what, what are the basic building blocks of a nutritarian diet? Because I suspect that it's something that a lot of people who haven't read your book and are not familiar with, well, any of your books and are not familiar with your work wouldn't know about. Can you just give me a, a rundown of that? Yes. Well, the basic principles of a nutritarian diet are, of course, that it's high in nutrients especially the antioxidants and phytochemicals that fight cancer. Mm -hmm. And that means you have to eat a lot of colorful plant foods and an assortment of those foods for protection against disease. Mm -hmm. And I made an acronym called G-BOMBS that (laughs) helps people remember 
those particular foods that have high anti-cancer potential to remember to eat them every day if they could. And the G-bombs stands for greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds, like flax seeds, chia seeds, sesame seeds. So we're talking here about looking at any one of these food categories individually shows dramatic protection against cancer. We make a diet style that includes a portfolio of features that fight cancer and promote human longevity. That's where you get maximum synergistic effect. So a nutritarian diet is not like focused around one fad, like being high fiber or high in antioxidants or alkaline forming or low glycemic or, you know, we're talking about all the, or the right microbiome. Instead, it looks at every one of these features and tries not to miss any positive aspect of a diet. So you could, making one mistake in one area could mess a person up. The point is it's very comprehensive in its approach, and I call that comprehensive micronutrient adequacy or CNA. Mm -hmm. So putting all these factors together in a comprehensive package to make it delicious, to make it understandable, to make it doable, then we have people on blood pressure medications whose blood pressure normalizes, diabetics on diabetic medications whose diabetic goes away, their weight goes back to normal, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, psoriasis, allergies, asthma, nutritional excellence is an effective therapeutic tool that can be utilized from the medical, you know, within the medical profession to get people well, as opposed to just taking them, dr taking drugs, which are toxic and cr increase your risk of cancer and keep people medically dependent and sickly the rest of their life. So it's not only preventative and lifespan promoting, but it's also therapeutically effective as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read, in addition to what you've said, you know, reversing diabetes and, and disallowing cancer cells to form in the body, um, I've read other things that the, the nutritarian diet can do, like help people lose hundreds of pounds, reverse heart disease. Um, when I tried eating very strictly on the Eat to Live plan, I, um, I got to go off of my iron pills, which I'd been on for a long time, and my eyesight improved so drastically that I actually had to stop wearing my glasses, which was something I was not expecting. But it sounds like nutritarianism is the answer to everything. Are there limitations? Yes, there are, there are certain limitations to what nutrition can do. Mm. As many people know, some diseases people are born with, mm -hmm. you know, musculoskeletal deformities and immune system disorders, they're born with it, and they, you know, genetic deficiencies, but also some diseases that are acquired can't be reversed. Like, for example, kidney failure. Mm. You can't bring back the failing kidney. After a person has had strokes and they've lost part of their brain, you can't restore the brain back to normal totally. Mm. You can't, you know, re you can't, even if you have uh, heart attacks, you can, there can be some myocardial tissue that's hibernating and not functioning can be brought back. But tissue that's totally dead can't be brought back. Um, when you have thyroid um, hypothyroidism for years, part of the thyroid gland doesn't come back to normal when you eat very healthfully. And type 1 diabetes, by the time most type 1s develop destruction of their beta cells in their pancreas to an autoimmune reaction, it can't come back, except I have had some early stage type 1s where they've caught them, where they've just been newly diagnosed, mm -hmm. and they have, I have three cases where they reversed their type 1, but mm -hmm. uh, that's because we caught it so early on in the disease process. Had they come to me a few years later, it would not have been reversible. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, even though it can't reverse type 1, I have so many type 1 diabetics who are using two-thirds less insulin, mm -hmm. and they're living a normal life now, and they're going to have a normal life expectancy and not at high risk of diabetes because they're not you know, type 1 diabetics have such a high morbidity and early mortality because in conjunction with the American diet, they're overusing insulin. 
Yeah. And they think that their sugar is okay, using all that insulin is okay, and it's not, because insulin is atherosclerotogenic, and insulin promotes angiogenesis, and insulin promotes cancer, and so I have these type 1 diabetics who are now lean and using less insulin and in great health, and I'm, t- I'm saying to them that the type 1 diabetes doesn't have, to be a, doesn't have to shorten your life. You could still live to be 90 to 100 years old in great health mm-hmm. if you eat such a healthy diet. So even though the diet doesn't reverse the disease, it still helps people with that disease. You follow me? Right. Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, my mom is actually a type 1 diabetic, and I tried to get her to try to eat along the lines of eat to live, but she uh, <laughs> she didn't she didn't make it. Um, if well, you were- she's, it, she doesn't know enough. You know, if you don't eat this way when you have type 1, you might as well just take a bullet to your head because the American diet is deadly in conjunction with type 1. She has, she has to learn more and mm-hmm. she has no choice but to eat this way or she's taking 30 years off her life. We're talking right. about that it's not, the American way of eating is not, and the conventional way of eating is not compatible with type 1 diabetes. She has to learn that, that book and you have to, you know, and, and she just has to do this. And, and, and bless the fact that with time, your taste buds change. You prefer to eat this way if you do it long enough. I, I agree. I'm sold. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to whack your mother over the head with a stick <laughs> she doesn't do this well she's local you could drive over to connecticut and get her <laughs> okay i'm gonna you give me her i'm gonna i was in connecticut just two weeks ago i should have stopped by and smacked around a little bit. <laughs> seriously i wish you would i don't get home to do that often enough lovingly though you know yes <laughs> This week on Simplify, we want to give a quick shout out to another podcast we really like. It's called 21st Century Workplace. And the 21st Century Workplace podcast is a really fun interview podcast hosted by Chris Taylor, who I really like. Um, They mostly explore what he calls, what Chris Taylor calls, the new world of work. And they've had some excellent names on there. People like Robert Cialdini, Seth Godin, and more. Those are like crazy good gets um go to wherever you listen to podcasts search 21st century workplace check them out and tell them we say hi now let's get back to the podcast with caitlin so i want to diverge just a little bit for a second uh at blinkus we have all these books about habit formation and uh, and goal setting, and they all talk a lot about willpower. But ultimately, you know, science has found that willpower just really doesn't work. It isn't the most effective tool for creating lasting change. If people were to listen to what you just described as a nutritarian diet, it sounds kind of complicated. It sounds like it might give them social social problems, not able to go out with their friends and eat. So it sounds like a nutritarian diet requires quite a bit of willpower. What do you say to this? How can that be reframed or combated? Well, you know, it may you, it may feel that way in the early stages when you're like stopping cigarettes and you're feeling anxiety from getting off your cigarettes or you're no longer drinking alcohol or you stop shooting up with cocaine. It's a little bit uncomfortable. But with cigarettes and cocaine and alcohol, you're uncomfortable and you're for many for months before you feel better. With food, you're just uncomfortable for a week. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it might take a little bit of willpower that first few days or that first week. But on the other hand, you're watching weight pour off you about 10 pounds in the first two weeks. You know, you're feeling, start to feel a lot better by the end of the first week. Your mm-hmm. headaches are going away. You're getting more energy. What I'm saying to you is, yeah, it's maybe difficult at the very early stages, but then you feel better after a week or so. And then as you do it for months, your taste gets stronger. You feel so great 
that it becomes the way you prefer to eat. And then at the mm-hmm. same time, you're learning all these great tasting recipes, desserts, ice creams, and you can't have to, you know, not eat out in any in restaurants at all. You just learn how to order more carefully in restaurants. Yeah. You know, and you, like, for example, I've been a nutritarian now for like, I'm in my mid sixties. So since I'm in my teens, so that must be like more than almost 50 years now, hmm. you know, most of us nutritarians, it's the way we prefer to eat. It's the way we enjoy eating the way. It's the way we, we not only feel good, but we like the taste of this diet the best. Hmm. You know, so I think certainly the longer you do it, it becomes natural mm-hmm. and it becomes the food you prefer to eat. So I, I think what you're saying is that people like what they get used to doing and they get comfortable with living the way they're living. And any kind of change in their lifestyle or diet style is a stress to them. But yeah, but some things take effort in life. Mm. You could go to medical school or graduate school or college takes some effort too. But if you want to get tremendous reward, you can't just take a pill. You mm. can't look for a magic answer. You can't just get a, ma- you know, this is what the problem is. People want magic. They want to be able to take a pill. We're not going to be able to smoke cigarettes for, th- for 30 years and take a pill and not get lung cancer. Mm-hmm. We can't eat American food and take a pill and not get breast cancer. It's a breast cancer causing diet. Mm-hmm. And if you want good things to happen to you, you don't be stuck in a nursing home on a, you know, or on a kidney dialysis or in a, after a stroke or in a nursing home the rest of your life and have your life be a, be a tragic, you know, living hell, then the, then the benefits are here for you. And whether, whether, whether people do it or not, they're entitled to have, to learn about this, to know the option, as opposed to just being put on a medication and being told they have to take this medication the rest of their life. Yeah. And I feel very strongly that if people are highly educated about this, if they truly know the drawbacks of the medical approach, and they know the tremendous benefits to living to 100 years old in great health from a nutritarian diet without the fear of diseases like heart attacks, strokes, and cancers, I think millions of more people would happily adopt and enjoy this way of eating and living. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's really a matter of, inf- of people not having the right information to make the right decision. Hmm. Joel, if you, could, if you could choose five foods that you think every, every American should be eating to remake their diet, say that they lost a lot of the bad foods and they could replace them with these five healthy foods, what would you tell them to eat? Well, number one, I want one of my mantras is to tell people to eat a large salad every day. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'd have put a, go take a pen, big thick marker, right on your refrigerator. I want you to write the salad is the main dish. And at least once a day, eat a large salad mm-hmm. as a main dish. And on that salad, put shredded scallion or red, or red onion and put some green cruciferous vegetable like kale or shredded cabbage or watercress or arugula to get those ITCs to prevent cancer. You know, throw in the lettuces and anything else you want in there. Put pomegranate kernels, put tomatoes, and make a dressing. And out of that dressing, I want there to be some nuts and seeds in that dressing, like walnuts or sesame seeds or almonds with vinegar, with some tomato sauce or or an orange or carrots, whatever it is you may make a homemade dressing or buy one of those healthy dressings. In other words, have a healthy salad at least once a day. Number two, the second thing is, on the weekend, make a giant pot of vegetable bean soup or chili. Because beans prolong lifespan. They've been shown in the nurse's health study to be most closely associated with low risk of breast cancer. And in all the blue zones around the world, they're associated with long, longer lifespan and living to be 100 years old. All populations that live over 100 are bean-eating populations. So we're talking about making a big pot of vegetable bean soup on the weekend so you can, the next day when it's cooled off or you put it in your refrigerator, you can aliquot it out into 10 different containers, little plastic, so you can take it to work with you every day. And the lunch is the most important meal of the day where people can have a big salad of all the vegetable bean soup. 
and a, and a piece of fruit for dessert. And if our whole population did that, a healthy lunch with a big salad of beans, so they have their beans and their greens and their raw vegetables and their onions and some seeds, can you imagine what we could accomplish at reducing healthcare costs and sa- saving human tragedies? So I've just given you two clear steps people can do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in doing so, I've got them eating green, raw green vegetables. Mm-hmm. I've got them eating beans. I've got them eating you know, cooked mushrooms in the soup. And I've given them a whole bunch of these foods that are going to prolong their lifespan just by those two simple steps. Because is that what you eat for lunch? Um, sometimes, you know, yeah, I do. I do pride much have that for lunch. Sometimes I'll just have a wok vegetable dish where I'll throw some, you know, snow pea pods and shredded cabbage or bok choy and, you know, water chestnuts mm-hmm. and, you know, an onion into a big um, pot and I'll toss it around for five minutes with a quarter cup of water. Then I'll throw like a sauce and make a, maybe a Thai, you know, a Thai peanut sauce, maybe with a, a date blended with some lemongrass paste and some peanut butter and some hemp seeds with some cumin or turmeric and some, you know, the lemongrass paste, we used to have to soak lemongrass shoots. Now it's the lemongrass paste makes it so easy. I can whip together a delicious peanut hemp sauce with, with a little date and make it delicious. I'll throw a couple of, you know, a half a cup of that into the into the vegetable dish and walk it around for the two minutes. In seven minutes, I got a different lunch made. And then maybe I could have some dessert at dinner time. I maybe have a little vanilla and ice cream, I call it, where I take some frozen bananas and whip it up in the blender with a handful of macadamia nuts and some real vanilla bean powder that's made from ground vanilla beans. These products are so good for you and so delicious. And maybe I'll throw, you know, one date in there to sweeten it, or I don't even need that with this. If I'm putting cocoa powder in, I'll put a date in it because it gets a little bitter, but I'll make this delicious vanilla ice cream I can throw on top of a little bit of like a a little oats. Maybe I'll have a little steel-cut oats with some cinnamon and nutmeg and chopped walnuts and ground flax seeds with some wild blueberries, throw a little thing of vanilla and ice cream on top, so in other words, I'm saying is I can have the most delicious diet style. Actually, I, it's making me, it almost makes your mouth water, the delicious, healthy foods. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's just a matter of a mindset shift, really. And I, um, once that happened for me, I just realized that I could shred up a bunch of vegetables with a mandolin and keep it in the fridge for, you know, a week with a paper towel in it and have salad every day for a week. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not that difficult to do, but that's right. And, and we, you and I, and I have that mindset that, I'm going to do whatever. I make a decision to eat this way. I'm not going to just eat this way when it's convenient. I'm going to eat this way all the time because I just love feeling this way and being healthy and not having fear of disease. So when I travel, I go, I get off the plane, I go to like a Whole Foods market, I get the salad bar with the beans on top, with the scallion on top, with a healthy dressing on top. I'll get some frozen artichokes. I'll get a bag of frozen berries. I'll bring, you know, fresh apricots or, you know, mandarin oranges to peel back to my rooms. And I'll, and, you know, and I'll, in other words, it's. I'm not eating like other Americans eat, but I really enjoy the way I eat tremendously. And, and I think that mm-hmm. there are nutritarians all over the country now. And it's so exciting to see millions of people. And you wouldn't believe the thousands of emails and letters I get every day of people who's, who say their lives have been saved, who've lost 100 pounds, who've got rid of their diabetes, who, who had advanced heart disease and couldn't even walk, who mm-hmm. reversed it. So it, it's really life-saving for people. You know... I completely agree with you, by the way. One thing I couldn't help thinking when you were describing some of the wonderful things that that you eat on a regular basis, which also made me really hungry, given that it's kind of dinner time in Berlin now, um, it sounds like it could be really expensive. What do you tell people who don't have the budget to go to Whole Foods, who can't buy frozen artichokes? Um, number one, and, I, and I'm, I, I've, we've priced it out. And it's not more expensive than conventional than a conventional diet because you're not buying certain things you're not buying. You can have the same budget to put into something else. So it's not mm. more expensive based on your budget. You can do things to make it less expensive, like buying foods at the at not just a farmer's market, but buying food at the wholesaler. Like you get a whole mm. case of mangoes 
or a whole case of bok choy, and you split it in your, you know, wherever you live between three or four families that eat this way. Um, so that which we, my wife and I did when we were going to college and medical school, we um, bought food at wholesale and we split it up between families and we wound up eating for our, ourselves practically for free, you know. So the point mm. is, is that beans are not expensive and certain things like steel cut oats and things you can buy in bulk are not expensive. You can buy green vegetables in Asian markets, which are very inexpensive. You can buy frozen berries, like frozen berries, you know, fresh organic berries are really expensive They're, and they mm. go bad. You can buy the frozen stuff just as good and, mm-hmm. and it's third the price and it keeps. And you take mm-hmm. a little bit of a frozen bag, you seal it back up again, put it back in your freezer and there's no waste. Mm-hmm. And think of all what you're going to save in medical care and think what you're going to save in productivity at work and think about what you're going to save with your maintaining your intelligence as you age. And, and the bottom line is when you eat processed foods and you eat fast foods, it dummies you down. It, re- it reduces your intelligence. It distravages brain cells. It makes you lose concentration. It makes you more likely to be depressed. It makes you unable to do as well in your career. And it keeps you spending more money and more time on medical care. Hmm. Savings here are astronomical. Hmm. I say put the money in your health account, and that's your own body by putting the good foods. Your most, the greatest wealth in your life is your health. Hmm. And once you've lost your health, you don't get a new one. You don't get a new body back. No. And I also tell people that food doesn't taste that great once you're in the coffin. <laughs> that is one way to persuade them for sure. Okay. What I just have a couple more questions for you and then we'll we'll wrap it up. I don't want to eat up too much of your time. As long it's you can eat up my time as long as it tastes good, you know? <laughs> um in their efforts to eat well, people try really hard to eat healthy, especially Americans who are overweight and suffering from all of these diseases that you've mentioned. What's the number one thing that they're doing that they just don't have to do that's a waste of their time in terms of trying to eat healthier? The main thing they do wrong is they add oil to their food, which throws too many calories in their diet. Mm -hmm. Whether it's flax oil, coconut oil, olive oil, oil is 120 calories a pound. Mm -hmm. And because there's no fiber associated with it, it doesn't turn off the apostat. So when you add 100 calories of oil to your meal, you're going to eat 100 100 more calories, and the oil makes you want to eat more food too. If you ate 100 calories of walnuts or sesame seeds or coconut, you'd eat 100 calories less of other foods because it would shut off the apostat because the fiber and bulk of the food and the slow absorption of those fat calories would make you burn the fat for energy. The mm. point that I'm making is that whole foods, a walnut is not the same thing as a walnut oil. Sesame seeds is not the same thing as sesame oil. And the main things people do to sabotage their, their diet is thinking that these healthy oils they're going to eat, and that makes them not lose weight. Mm. And the ex- and if you consume 25 calories extra a day, that's over 9,000 calories extra a year. That's three pounds a year. That's 30 pounds in 10 years. There's 10 or 15 years off your life right there. In other words, we have to eat 25 calories too little a day. And then your metabolic rate will slow down a little bit. and You'll maintain a perfect weight. You won't get too thin. Hmm. The trick is to eat a high-nutrient diet without caloric excess. And the main thing people do wrong is they consume hidden calories. And believe it or not – the average American consumes 400 calories from oil a day, which are hidden calories. And they don't understand why they can't lose weight, why their blood pressure doesn't come down, or why they're still diabetic. Hmm. But wait, then what what do you have to say about research into things like the Mediterranean diet and and populations like uh, Spaniards who generally have decent lifespans and they eat a lot of olive oil? I would know I lived there. (laughs) Exactly. So let's look at what the data shows. And the prevalence study showed that when people switched from butter to olive oil, their rate of heart attack rate went down. More olive oil, less butter, their rate of heart attack went down by approximately 40%. By the way, these modern Mediterranean countries, 
don't do much better than most other Northern European countries or America. They, their heart attack rate's a little better, but 30% being better isn't too great when you want to wipe out heart disease by 100%. So in the prevalent study, when they compared people eating olive oil to people eating nuts instead, their heart attack rate dropped by another 50%. So because olive oil is better than butter doesn't make it a health food, and because a Mediterranean diet is better than an American diet doesn't make it an ideal diet either. So it's just stupid to think that, oh, well, um, this is better than that, so that makes it ideal. We don't Mm -hmm. buy a car by comparing it to a junkyard wreck. (laughs) The point is, is that the best, most longevity-promoting foods, and you know, that, we, the, the, that societies around the world, like the Catawba study, mm-hmm. show that people don't have, to have any heart attacks. <laughs> there are populations that have no heart disease. Mm-hmm. There's still a relatively high rate of heart attacks in the Mediterranean country because of the excessive use of white flour and oil and cheese. We don't want to emulate a, a population that still has such a high rate of cancer and heart disease, even though it's better than Americans. It's not too good to be just better than Americans. You follow me? I do. I do. And the modern Mediterranean countries are changing their their eating habits to eat a lot more like Americans, actually. I've noticed that more and more um, every year when I go back. We're spreading the obesity crisis to other countries. There's more fast food restaurants. And as their diet was somewhat better than us in the past, Mm -hmm. now it's less better. Yeah. Because That's they're strange. drinking soda and they're eating fast food. And, you know, but, but a lot of these countries are still eating a lot of white bread, a lot of white flour. There's no way you can justify eating white flour products like white flour bread and pasta. That is linked in all studies to breast cancer, prostate cancer, heart attack risk. It's just an unfavorable food. And that's the worst thing they do in the Mediterranean diet, even worse than the olive oil, is eating the white bread. All right. Great. Well, I think that that is just about it. That wraps it up for me. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. My pleasure. Good luck to you. Best of health to you and all your listeners. Welcome to the bookend, where we end with books. Joel Furman. Yeah. Your hero. I mean, he made a difference in your life. He made it. It's true. He actually did, as you can, you know, we've heard on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. So we listened to the interview. Walk me through the the takeaway. What's the one thing that we should remember? Really, I think that the one thing that we should remember is don't focus on, on removing things from your diet. Focus instead on eating as many natural whole foods as you possibly can, and then you'll be good. Um, plus you won't have enough room in your stomach for all that junk. Uh, so yeah, just focus on, on whole healthy foods and don't really worry that much about the rest. I mean, he does clearly sweat the rest, but the thing that I've taken away from it the most is just eat more vegetables. The salad is the main meal. Oh, and bonus oil in your diet is basically useless. So take it out. That was the biggest one. Yeah. Oil. Everyone's always like Spanish people love oil and they're thin and tan. We yeah. should all eat oil. Yeah. Don't tell all my Spanish friends about it. They're, uh, <laughs> they're probably mourning right now or totally incensed and are calling their grandmothers and yelling at them about lying. Uh, don't, don't focus on removing things from their diet. That's focus the key on, thing. Focus on eating natural things. Yeah. If you're going to remember one thing, it's probably like the salad is the main meal. Right. The salad is the main meal. Okay. Yeah. And why did you want to talk to him besides the fact that he um, cured your eyesight or his, his methods cured your eyes? And and help me get off of iron supplements. Um, really because his style of eating is, is super stripped back and elemental. It's eating like a forager, basically. The nutritarian style of eating takes a lot of wondering and worrying out of what an ideal diet should look like by focusing on just whole healthful things that you should be eating without really measuring them too much or worrying about quantities or timing or other variables that can be kind of confusing and just add stress to eating healthily. It's just 
eat whole foods, eat whole foods, eat these whole foods, and don't worry about all the things you're supposed to be cutting out as much. Yeah, it's kind of like, don't think of diet as subtraction. Yeah, think of it as adding and enriching your life and your longevity rather than deprivation. It's more like adding to something that that you can make better rather than stealing pleasure from your life. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, I definitely used to look at salad as punitive. I don't anymore, but... Okay. Um... Punishment salad. <laughs> punishment greens. Big plate of punishment greens. <laughs> All right. What books, what, book should we t- what book should we talk about before we get into salad puns? Because I don't think... I don't think, that, puns I I don't think that our listeners would let us. <laughs> okay. All right. So Books. the first book for the bookend is obviously Eat to Live, Furman's book. Um, if you want to get healthier but don't really know where to start with what you just heard Dr. Furman recommending... Start here. Eat to Live will walk you through the basics of a nutritarian diet and give you a clear, simple, six or so week action plan to detox your body from sugar, quit all kinds of nasty processed carbs, and start getting healthier. It's also, there's recipes in the back. Some of them are great. I haven't tried all of them myself, but um, doing this rather extreme dietary overhaul doesn't have to taste like cardboard and tears, basically. <laughs> it, can be, it can be good. Um, and this book outlines why and gives you some, some things to eat that can make it delicious. Okay. Yeah. And the second one? The second one actually has to do with a study that he mentioned in our talk. It is the China study by T. Colin Campbell and Thomas M. Campbell II. If you can't imagine letting go of meat and dairy, let alone imagine why you'd do it in the first place, the China study gives you some pretty compelling evidence as to why maybe you should consider it. Like go vegan or just? Um, Maybe not that extreme, but I mean... It could be an outcropping of it. Okay. I don't know. I don't like to talk about extremes too much. But uh, the China study reveals a lot of surprising things about your diet that were groundbreaking for the time, like how animal-based proteins can lead to some very scary health risks and that you can get all the protein your body needs from plants. And that, believe it or not, Ben, are you ready for this? Are you sitting down? Wait, I can see you. You're sitting down. Yeah, I'm right here. Ben is sitting down. <laughs> He's going to be okay when I reveal this. I hope that listeners, all of you, were sitting down. <laughs> but the molecular trigger for cancer... The molecular trigger for cancer is found in cheese. Yeah, well, yeah, no. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I hope not it's not true. But read it and see what you think. Um, you might not want to stop eating animal proteins altogether, aka cheese, but it could help you force more veg into your diet too. I'm not going to read this book. I'm okay. just going to pretend it doesn't exist. Fine. I mean, you have a family to think about now, Ben. Maybe you should. <laughs> My son is going to eat plenty of cheese, and he will be, he will be a strong boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the last book like Atkins or uh, Raw, or it must be some kind of must be some kind of diet? <laughs> it's a manifesto, Ben. Oh, paleo. Because why would you deal in diets oh, when you yeah. could talk about manifestos? Right. So uh, the last book is the Paleo Manifesto by John Durant. Just to build out the other meteor side of the story, we've got the Paleo Manifesto. (laughs) It explains why the Paleo diet is in sync with our ancestors' diets and how you can use humanity's anthropological and evolutionary history to get fit and feel good and be healthy. So if you are a big, a big beefy meat believer, then maybe start with this one and not the the China study, which will make you feel sad and deprived. I don't know. (laughs) All right, let's go into the outro. Where's that? We should cue that music. Thanks for listening to Simplify. This episode was produced by me, Ben Schumann-Stoller, Caitlin Schiller. Hi, Caitlin. 
Hi, Ben. Nika Mavrodi and Odi Constantino, who was once so inspired by the stories of Steve Jobs eating only apples that he decided to keep a food journal made out of apples. Unfortunately, it rotted out and he had to compost it. If you enjoyed this episode or feel like you learned something, please consider sending it to someone who you think might learn something too. We're really grateful for those of you who left us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Overcast, CastyCast, PocketCast, and Skywriting. Um, a big shout out to the people who have subscribed to Simplify so they automatically receive the next episode. If you would like to be one of these people, you know what to do. Go hit subscribe. Um, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to add a review while you're there or a rating, we'd be super appreciative. It helps us get the word out. Simplify is made by the same people who make Blinkist a learning app that takes the world's best-selling nonfiction books, condenses them into focused little capsules of audio and text that you can listen to or read in just 15 minutes, or if you're Caitlin, like 13 minutes. Get 14 days free by going to Blinkist.com slash friends and typing in this episode's special voucher code, CABBAGE. <laughs> C-A-B-B-A-G-E. Cabbage. 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 <laughs> Member of the Cole family? I don't know. It's not meat. But it dreams sometimes <laughs> that it is. Uh, you can email me and Ben at podcast at Blinkist.com. Uh, if you've ever tried a particular diet, like raw foods or paleo or, I don't know, cannibalism, we'd love to hear about how you built up the habit and how it all turned out. Cool. Then we'll be back next week with another episode of Simplify. In the meantime, be good. This is Ben checking out. Checking out. See you next week.